0: Carlisle Group since years before been raking in billions
1: This is Carly Town, campaign manager for the Divest from the War Machine campaign at Code Pink. And you're listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI Radio 99.5 FM New York City and WPFW 89.3 Washington, D.C. If this is your first time joining us, Code Pink is a women's-led anti-war group that is organizing across the country to put an end to U.S.-funded militarism around the world. We're here to challenge imperialism, capitalism, and war, with the goal of creating a world of justice, peace, and equality. Achieving justice requires that each and every one of us to join together in solidarity and demand a better world. It requires us to understand that the struggle against U.S. imperialism is also a struggle against police brutality and anti-immigrant animus. The anti-war movement is also a struggle for peace, and we can't have peace if we don't advocate for workers' rights, women's rights, environmental justice, and racial justice. So if you're listening to this show, you've already taken the first step in being part of a movement and for all of these struggles. And if you're here with us now, you've probably heard that off-sighted quote from Lenin, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. Uh, So the past couple of weeks, with less than a month away from the presidential election, things have really been heating up and many people are anxious for the November election. Uh, Many of us have tuned into the most recent presidential debate, only to be disappointed that there were almost no discussion about foreign policy outside of both candidates' xenophobic and dangerous discussions about China. However, Donald Trump is trying an unexpected new strategy, pinning himself as the anti-war candidate, quote-unquote. But it's clear that Trump is no dove, and neither is Joe Biden. But we aren't giving up yet. With the elections just a few weeks away, we're calling on both Donald Trump and Joe Biden to adopt a truly anti-war stance in alignment with our Presidents for Peace 10-point platform, which is based on the premise that the US relations with the rest of the world should be based on respect, cooperation, and diplomacy, not war. You can go to codepink.org slash president for peace to read more about this campaign. And when you're there, you'll find more on our 10-Point Peace platform, which includes, among other things, asking all presidential candidates to agree to end wars and prioritize using diplomacy, end weapon sales to human rights violators, end support for Israel's war on Palestinians, work for a nuclear-free world, and cut military spending to invest at home. And this last point is extremely important and will remain a top priority moving forward because recently our representatives had a chance to do just that, vote on historic legislation in Congress to cut the Pentagon budget by 10%. And while the legislation failed, it represents an important turning point in our work to defend the Pentagon. Do you know how your representative voted? If they voted to cut the Pentagon budget by 10%, that's great. We need to talk to them and to ask them to formally join the newly formed defense spending reduction caucus. If they voted against a 10% cut to the Pentagon budget, we need to hold them accountable. Did you know that the representatives who voted against this 10% cut to the Pentagon budget received three times the number of campaign contributions from weapons manufacturers than those who voted for it? you can go to www.codepink.org to learn how your representative voted on this important legislation and, more importantly, take action to hold them accountable. Again, that's codepink.org. You know, having foreign policy and US militarism largely ignored during the national presidential election, really reminds us of how urgent our work to end U.S. militarism remains. Our Divest from the War Machine campaign recognizes that we can never end U.S. militarism until weapons companies continue to profit from going to war. That's why we're working to build grassroots campaigns to take on the war machine in our local communities. You can visit codepink.org divest to learn more about how to get involved or email us at divest@codepink.org. Now, on to today's show. Today's show is dedicated to two very important topics, defunding the Pentagon and divesting BlackRock from the war machine. Our first guest, Yousef Sakaria, is an organizer on Code Pink's Divest from the War Machine campaign who's based in New York City. We'll talk to Yusuf about an exciting virtual event that's happening on October 15th at 7 p.m. Then we'll talk more about work that activists and campaigners are doing on the ground to hold the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, accountable for investing in weapons manufacturers and the fossil fuel industry. First, Nancy Mancias from Code Pink will interview Roberto Giordano, finance campaigner with the Sunrise Project. Finally, we'll hear from Mary Cerulli and Debbie New, who are co-founders of Climate Finance Action, on their work to take on the financial industry's role in driving climate change. So welcome to the show, Yusuf.
2: Thank you for having me, Carly.
1: Yeah. So... um, First, just before we dive into a lot of the great topics we're gonna talk about today, um, I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit more about yourself and really answer, you know, how did you come to work with Code Pink?
2: Yeah, so as you said, my name is Yusuf Zakaria. I was born and raised in Qatar for Egyptian parents. Um, I've been in the States for about four years now and um, I've been involved in different spaces and campaigns, uh, uh, but before that, for example, I graduated from Qatar University, I studied intern, oh my goodness, how is that even, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I- That's okay. So I will do, I-, I. And.
1: Okay, so we're now going to be welcoming our first guest. Uh, he is a Code Pink organizer based in New York City, Youssef Sikaria. Um, so, welcome to the show, Youssef.
2: Thank you for having me, Carly.
1: Yeah, so um, first, before we get into some of the, the things that you're working on in New York City and the ways that people can get involved and plugged in, um, including a, a special announcement about something that's happening tonight, um, first, though, can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? How did you come to work with Code Pink? We'd love to know. Yeah,
2: Um, so my name is Youssef Zakaria. I was born and raised in Qatar for Egyptian parents. Um, I studied international affairs, concentration of international security and diplomacy uh, from Qatar University. Um, And I've been involved with uh, different campaigns uh, in Qatar. So for example, I worked um, to with a group to criminalize or to attempt to criminalize domestic violence in Qatar um, through a fund uh, by Qatar National Research Fund, um, as well as uh, addressing human trafficking in the region with uh, the United Nations uh, Human Rights Training and Documentation Center in the Southeast Asia and the Arab region, um, as well as um, engaging young folks um, in what's going on around the world and in their own communities. Um, and I've been in, in the U.S. for about 40 years now. And naturally, I've, I've, I've been in spaces and involved with campaigns um, such as the uh, uh, International Action Center, which is an amazing space. Another amazing space uh, is the People's Forum. Um, I was uh, also involved with uh, uh, Sanctions Kill Campaign, uh, which is a campaign that could Pink uh, endorses. Um, uh, as well as uh, UNAC, United National Anti uh, United uh, Anti War uh, United National Anti War Coalition, um, and it was there uh, on the annual event and um, at the beginning of uh, 2020, actually, uh, where I met Medea um, and Terry Matson for the second time at the People's Forum, and um, yeah, naturally, one thing led to the other, and uh, I. Uh, had the honor to have a conversation with uh, Jody, and the honor to be able to represent Code Pink in uh, uh, NYC. It's it's just I, I think kind of important to note that Code Pink was, is in a lot of folks' radar. Even a lot of folks' radar folks that are not, you know, in the U.S. So, for example, when I was in Qatar, I obviously knew about. Uh, Code Pink and I, uh, you know, a lot of folks I, I, I was in circles with was actually fascinated by the work that Code Pink does because what we or what some folks like myself appreciate about what Code Pink does is it gives voices to the powerless um, instead of speaking for them. And that is something I really do appreciate, you know, coming from the the sort of privilege and power folks have here, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if an obvious example on that would be Palestine, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and the normalization happening in the, in the region right now. Um, a lot of, I mean, the absolute majority, and I can speak with, with authority on that matter, I, I believe is the absolute majority of folks in the MENA region um, mm-hmm. are not with normalization uh, with Israel, for example, and for obvious reasons. Right. But our governments do not speak for us, and hence right. comes the importance of um, organizations such as uh, shouldn 't like that shouldn 't like on, on, on that issue that um, we might have governments uh, that does something or the other that may be appealing to uh, the u, to, to the u s or to uh, western governments but what right. I appreciate about CodePink is that gives voices to people, to the activists on the ground. Um, and that is just extremely powerful if we are to uh, shift the narrative um, to, to a peace economy basically and uh, to stop the destruction of the world.
1: Yeah, I think all of that, first of all, really, really um, exciting and it's always lovely to hear um, kind of some of your background and how you came to work with Code Pink. I, I think it's a really, you're right, exciting to hear that, um, you know, it's it's a global movement. It's not just um, something that happens in the United States, and it's good to be reminded of that. And, you know, one thing I think you said that was really important was governments acting on behalf of um, the, often the rich and powerful, but not um, the majority of people who live there or, um, a large portion of, of what people actually want, right? I think the people in the United States can uh, relate to that really well. Um, I think it's a really good point to bring up, um, but also just to remind ourselves that, yeah, fighting for democracy and self-determination is actually a huge part of everything that we do, right? So that's beautiful. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the work that you're now doing in New York City as you know, a Code Pink campaigner here um, can you take us through some of the, the the campaigns that you're working on, and also how people can get involved? So maybe let's start off with, with one campaign that you wanted to talk about. Uh,
2: so there are a um, couple of campaigns that Pink tries to be very involved uh, with in, in New York City. One of them is the uh, Divest NY, uh which is a coalition advocating for fossil fuel divestment in teachers pension, and working to pass the... Uh, New York State Fossil Fuel Divestment Act to divest from the uh, uh, NY State uh, State Pension, which again, uh, as an educator and as, as as someone who who works with uh, with high schoolers full time, this is this should come as an as a no-brainer, right? You are a teacher, you are dedic- dedicating your life uh, for the betterment uh, of those children and for the future, basically. Um, then it, it this should be uh, this should be an easy way to uh, bring teachers, educators, uh, folks within the education system to really push for this and um, and, and really push for um, for the divestment uh, from the fossil fuel uh, uh, because, again, it, it, it just merits what they do on a day-to-day basis, right? So it, it's, it, right. it seems very natural and, and very fitting. So that's one of the campaigns that uh, we are involved with another. Camp- oh, I just
1: wanted to say I think that's really great. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I did want to say I think it's really important to be advocating um, to divest from fossil fuels, right? And I think it's you know to make that connection very clear for people, maybe who are listening too, right? Why would um, an anti-war organization be involved in um, divestment from fossil fuels, right? And and the thing is that it's really important that we make the the connection very clear, which is that the US military is the world's largest institutional polluter and consumes the most oil and causes the most greenhouse gas pollution, more than 140 other nations combined. But also, right, we fight our wars often to secure access to natural resources such as oil, right? So these these two issues, Issues of environmental justice, taking on climate change and fossil fuel companies, um, and taking on the military-industrial complex are interconnected, and we have to we have to make sure that we're we're standing together um, as a movement on this. So, sorry, I just wanted to, to to make sure folks understood that connection. But yeah, what um what are what are some other campaigns you're working on?
2: Um, yeah, I'm perfectly put. Those. Two falls are extremely important. War is not green, and again, it's it, the U.S. being the, the the biggest polluter, and that's what why they go there to begin with, and that's extremely important to to, to keep reminding ourselves and folks with. Um, so one of the other campaigns we're uh, we are uh, working on as uh, MTM or Move the Money uh, NYC, um, and that's why I'm so excited to be here with you today. Is, uh, is the fact that today we actually have a town hall, um, a Move the Money town hall uh, that goes as depending on stealing from our communities. Um, and uh, Move the Money campaign basically uh, is a coalition working for the passage of New York City Council Resolution 747A, which would put New York City on record demanding that our tax dollars divested from the Pentagon and be directed to our real problems, our day-to-day problems, our healthcare, our education system uh, that is unfortunately uh, uh, crumbling. Um, And uh, again, I'm also excited that uh, we have uh, NYC Council member Udenas Rodriguez, who's a prime sponsor uh, of uh, of the Bell, of the resolution, I'm sorry, as well as Congresswoman Barbara Lee, uh, who famously uh, called for a 50 percent uh, Pentagon cut, uh, which is around uh, 350 billion, which unfortunately, you know, did not go. And even the 10 percent that followed the, the, the bill that uh, uh, was voted on, uh, yeah. unfortunately, was voted on with a majority of no. And uh, I'll follow up with another with another action on that. Um, yeah. And we also have have some, uh, we have uh, Lindsay Kashkarian, which is director from National Priorities Project, and we have some folks from the uh, Poor People's Campaign. It's going to be an amazing event tonight, and that's that's what I really want to get across, that it will be... An amazing event, and it's extremely important because what the resolution pushes for, resolution 747A, uh, what mm-hmm. it pushes for is basically uh, federal governments and its legislators to move significant funds away from the military budget to fund human needs and services. Um, and Yeah, it, it, yeah, again, it, it so- has, had to, but under COVID-19, or especially in, in the midst of a pandemic, that's mm-hmm. that's out of the question. That's literally, to some folks, a matter of life and death. Um, so yeah. it's more timely than ever.
1: Yeah, I think, so this is super exciting, and I'm really glad you brought it up, of course, right? So So tonight, there's this town hall. Um, where you said we're gonna have, you're gonna have a, a special um, announcement from from Barbara Lee, um, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, um, and um, where folks can join in and learn more about how they can support this Move the Money campaign in New York City, um, which is to pass the City Council resolution to defund the Pentagon and invest in social services, right? Um, so for people who are interested right so you talked a little bit about the guests who will be there and some of the topics but you know um what will the town hall be focusing on it's going to be focusing on how the how people can get involved in the campaign and then um i'd also love for you to address like how can people join the town hall tonight right because that's really important that people people get a chance to join
2: Sure. Yeah. So let's start with uh with that last question. Basically, folks, can, the easiest ways for folks to join us is kootping.org uh, slash events, uh, and then you would be able to find uh, the event uh, right there. Um, and yeah, um, The uh, I'm sorry. I'm kind of. Uh, what was the other question? I'm sorry. Oh yeah,
1: no worries. So definitely, really exciting. People can join if they go to codepink.org/events. And then you know, once they're on the town hall, you're going to have these great speakers. You mentioned a couple of them. What else will you be talking about? How can people plug into the campaign?
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this is why this uh, this is impo- this town hall is extremely important um, because. Aside from, we want to make folks know that this is out there. We want folks to do something about it. Um, So, for example, so far we have uh, we have 16. We have a we have about a third. We have 16 members uh, signed. So, we our aim is to get a majority of that 51 council members signed. So that's what we basically are pushing for. so how the town hall is going to be structured, we are going to have our amazing speakers and uh, announce and speak, but we really have the absolute majority of the time for you folks to engage with them, to engage with the speakers on the importance of this and what to do about it and how to go about it, how to engage with your council members, um, as you all should uh, uh, in, in pushing this. And the, 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 the interesting and kind of, Fun, inspiring fact about this is that uh, the majority of New Yorkers are with this, and honestly, it's not that extremely hard to push for in New York City. Um, the The council, uh, the uh, city council members, we were able to talk to before the pandemic were welcoming for the most part. Um, so we really, it's 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 the fact that unfortunately the pandemic had halted a lot of our efforts right. but that um, that doesn't mean that uh we cannot we we still cannot push forward we actually can and and right. and, and the the fact that we were able to even honestly get all those uh, busy folks on today's call is is an even is an is an evidence of that yeah um,
1: that's, that's something that I wanted to, to kind of touch on. I think this is really exciting. So, like, it's going to be an event where people are not just going to hear from people about the campaign, but also how they can get involved. They'll, they'll get a chance to engage with some of the speakers and also learn more about how they can reach out to their own council members about supporting this city council resolution, which really exciting. Um, people should go to codepink.org slash events to sign up um, for, and get the Zoom link and information for that. But something that you touched on that I think is super important that I also wanted to get at too, Yusef, is, you know, this idea that we're in the middle of a pandemic, as you said, Congress, you know, um, in July of this year, in the middle of a pandemic, while they refused to pass any kind of extra, um, you know, aid for people who are struggling around the country amidst all of that, they they came together to approve a 740 billion dollar Pentagon budget, right? And and this city council resolution is one way that we can really start to organize in our in our local communities against this outrageous Pentagon budget um, that's siphoning money away from the kinds of programs that people want, like healthcare. But you know, I also want to talk to you about other things that people could do in New York City. So I'm wondering if you could tell us about your local congresswoman and the meeting that you're setting up with her to engage with her around the Pentagon budget.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for asking this. This is extremely important, and again, it, it's all linked um, and it's all, uh, it all it all goes in a, in a circle in a way. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully meeting with Congresswoman Nidia uh, Vasquez very uh, in, in a few weeks, and um, I already have a couple of folks that are going to join me, and I really urge you. Uh, to do the same for your representative, your congressman-woman. Um, and basically, uh, Congresswoman Nidia Vasquez voted uh, yes on the 10% budget cut. Um, so what we are going to be asking is that she even pushes furthermore uh, and joins the, the defense uh, spending reduction caucus. Um, so yeah, and we highly encourage you to do the same. Well, first of all, um, if you live in the same zip code and if she's your congresswoman, please do get in touch with me. Uh, my uh, email address is uh, yusef at codepend.org Y-O-U-S-E-F at codepend.org and I will probably be repeating it again at the end. Um, but if your congresswoman is Nadia uh, Vasquez, I highly encourage you to please join me in the meeting. The more codepinkers we have, the better. Um, and I also uh, recommend that you check uh, Code uh, pink.org slash uh, defund war um, to check how your uh, congressperson voted. Uh, If they voted yes, you will see the options of how to go about it from there. If they voted no, the same way, as well as how to set up a meeting with your congressperson um, and how to go about it basically. And we really, we really uh, want to push for this. We really have to uh, put our representatives uh, accountable. Um, to their actions, because that's how a democracy works, right? Um, So yes, please do join us on that. There is also a a toolkit, uh, which makes your life extremely easy, honestly, as as soon as you check goodbank.org slash defund war, you will know what you need to know about uh, the vote. Um, So we really encourage you to check that out as well.
1: Yeah, thank you, Yusuf. That's, I think that's a really important point um, that you made, right? These are your representatives and um, you know, establishing a relationship with them and explaining to them um, you're paying attention to how they vote on topics that are important to you, uh, specifically around the Pentagon budget, which is not something we often get a chance to talk about, right? So let's use this time to come together and hold our representatives accountable even so, if they voted yes on the 10% budget, budget cut to the Pentagon budget, or if they voted no, right? So as you said, if you go to codepink.org slash defund war, you'll find all the information about how you can do that. Um, so thank you, Yusuf. I want to say thank you for a really great conversation. Um, and just see if people are interested in getting involved and staying up to date with all of the campaigns that you talked about today, how can they reach out to you um, and just stay up to date with Codepink Pink Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um if you like what you heard and you really believe that we can slash should do something about our problems and really just take charge, something I really learn from the uh, the kids I, I, I teach and they inspire me every day, um, join us, do something about it. Uh, and you know, educate yourself, educate others, and uh, take actions. Uh, and uh, I really hope you uh, contact me at yusef at That's y o u s e f. Again, our problems are really connected, as 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 we've been demonstrated very clearly. And we do have the resources uh, to solve our problems. Um, so let's do that together.
1: Beautiful. I think that's a, a fantastic way to end it. Please do reach out to Yusuf. Um, and on that, thank you so much, Yusuf, for joining uh, the show today. And really appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon.
2: Thank you for having
1: me. We're now going to take a short musical break with a song titled Echo Park by Bedouin.
3: Sun is rising on another cafe. Weekends in Echo Park don't make a difference, so it seems. Cause the writers in a booth, they're still working out their arc. Oh, on the weekends in Echo Park. While my love's away at work, I pop and weave through the style streets, so Sunset Boulevard of our guide and questioning remarks of the other guide
1: This is Carly with Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI Radio 99.5 FM in New York City and WPFW 89.3 Washington, D.C. Now I'm going to hand it off to Code Pink campaigner Nancy Mancius, who will interview Roberto Giordano, finance campaigner with the Sunrise Project.
4: Hello, friends. My name is Nancy Mancius, a campaign organizer with Code Pink, and I use she, her pronouns. I am in the San Francisco Bay Area, where we'll be speaking to Sunrise Project Finance campaigner Roberta Goredano. Welcome, Roberta. We're so honored to have you. Let's start with BlackRock. Can you tell our listening audience about BlackRock's big problem?
5: Hi everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Nancy, for having me on uh, today. Um, yes, BlackRock is the uh, world's largest asset manager. Um, and it's probably the, uh, you know, biggest driver of climate chaos that you have never heard of. Um, BlackRock, uh, just because of the nature of its business, um, what it does, it takes institutions' money um, and uh, manages that money on uh, their behalf. And uh, what they do, they basically uh, BlackRock um, puts this money into um, index funds, which are a pool of money, like uh, you know the S and P five hundred, and the whole purpose of it is to generate the highest rates of return for its clients. And so um, Because of that, BlackRock, um, you know, has become the world's largest investor in fossil fuels and companies that are driving deforestation um, in the, you know, the most critical ecosystems on the planet, including the Amazon. Um, And it's also, you know, its investments are also driving once again, because of deforestation, uh, they're also, it's also violating a lot of the indigenous rights and territories um, across the globe. Um, and uh, yes, that's uh, you know, uh, one of the many problems that BlackRock has. Um, and so you know, if we're serious about tackling the climate crisis, um, BlackRock needs to uh, be a leader and take action and really look at the way its investments are uh, driving the crisis.
4: Great. And um, can you talk about the company's investments?
5: Yeah, absolutely. As I um, mentioned, uh, the company is pretty much invested in anything that you can think of that is destructive. So it has investments in fossil fuel companies uh, all across the globe, but also BlackRock has investments, um, you know, in companies that are um, You know, are driving deforestation and companies, for example, that are manufacturing weapons or uh, tear gassing or other companies like, for example, like Palantir, which is a data surveillance company that is providing uh, key services to ICE and, you know, hence enabling uh, the Trump administration to continue with um, its uh, deportation campaign. Um, so you can say that BlackRock has its ends in everything that is bad for the planet and the people that you can think of.
4: Great. I'm just going to back up a little bit, Roberta. And can you explain to the listening audience what is BlackRock?
5: Absolutely. Um, So BlackRock is what we call an asset manager. Um, And so an asset manager is quite different from a bank. Uh, Ultimately, both financial institutions use uh, their money, uh, invest their money to um, basically to increase uh, their portfolio investments. Uh, The difference is that uh, an asset manager does not have its own funding To invest, but instead, what they do, they are hired by institutional investors, wealthy individuals, and uh, they're asked, you know, to manage these clients' portfolios. And so, what that looks like, for example, you may have uh, big pension funds like CalPERS, for example, or or Casters, or um, you know. Um, entire states that um, hire external, external managers to, to you know, handle uh, their investments. And so uh, what asset managers like BlackRock do, uh, once they get hired, they really um, start managing uh, these investors' money. And they uh, put these monies, instead of picking and choosing individual stocks, like, uh, for example, um, active investors do, or you know, even banks, what they do instead, they um, use, um, they kind of funnel this money through um, index funds. And so what these are, uh, these are also, this strategy, this strategy is also known as passive investment. So what these index funds are, and there's so many of them on the market, they, um, you know instead of beating the market, they actually track uh, the market as a whole. And so the idea behind passive investments is that you don't have to do too much thinking, uh, too much strategy. You know that that index funds prefer performs in a certain way over time. And so you know that no matter what you will have, um, a good uh, return on investment uh, because it tracks an entire segment of the market. And so that's why it's called a passive investment strategy. And so what that means is that when you are putting money into a specific index fund, um, you have all sorts of companies, right? And you don't get to choose which companies go inside these index funds. Instead, like you just like put this money into this index fund, and then this money just, it's kind of like on autopilot and starts uh, funding all these companies that are within this specific fund. And so what that what that's causing, it's causing, um, you know, more money to go into bad companies like fossil fuels, uh, because like I said, they're still part of these funds and, uh, you know, asset managers uh, don't, uh, generally speaking, at least the ones in the US are not making any effort into, uh, Avoiding these index funds to um, to making sure I'm sorry that these index this index funds exclude companies that are destructive for the for the climate. Um, so it's it's a little complex. <laughs> I hope it made sense. But you know the the point is that uh, it's um, it's basically money that is going in into funds that tar- that that um, tracks an entire uh, segment of the market rather than beating it. I hope that makes sense.
4: Yes, it does. Thank you so much, Roberta. And we're gonna, I'm going to switch gears and talk about, um, uh, ask questions around the protest. So explain why it's so important to protest BlackRock and what actions have been taken against BlackRock.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned, BlackRock is the world's uh, largest asset manager. Uh, it manages over $7 trillion. Uh, which is a huge amount of power, which is a huge amount of money that also, uh, you know, brings a lot of influence and power. Um, And, you know, the theory of change is that if we can get a huge financial institution that has so much power and influence to move on climate, then we know that there's going to be a ripple effect. Um, a wave where we're, where we see other financial institutions follow suit and so um, we learned that especially uh, you know in the last four years we learned that you know um, to to really um, you know, solve the climate crisis, we need to uh, really keep our governments accountable and the push for certain policies to take place. But we know that sometimes, you know, governments are not uh, responding either as fast enough as we want or they're not responding at all, right? Like in the case of the Trump administration. And so what we need to do, uh, we need to look at other ways to affect change and to really uh, generate a wave of, you know, new policies, uh, new um, investments that uh, really serve, you know, this fight to tackle the climate crisis. And so the idea is if you can get someone like BlackRock to uh, introduce policies uh, within their companies and ultimately to get them to shift its capital away from fossil fuels, then, you know, you can uh, get the rest of, um, you know, the whole basically economy to follow, to follow suit. And so um, this is one of the reasons why it's so important to pressure.
4: Great. Thank you. And, um, before we wrap up, what would you encourage our listening audience to do? How do they get involved?
5: Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, BlackRock is very susceptible to public pressure. The only, you know, one of the reasons why we were able to see a change at the beginning of the year, uh, which, you know, it was a step in the right direction, but there's so much more that needs to be done, um, is because, you know, of the public pressure that we exercised on BlackRock. And so um, for people to get involved, you know, you can... Uh, just visit our website, uh, uh, blackrocksbigproblem.com, and you can uh, get in touch with us. And uh, if you have, if you live in a city where there is a BlackRock office, we invite you to um, get in touch with us and potentially organize an action. If you um, live in a state or a city where uh, public money is managed by, by BlackRock, we invite you to get in touch with us, and together we can mobilize BlackRock's clients to exercise even more pressure, and um, yeah, these are
4: just a couple of ways for people to get involved. Well, thank you so much, Roberta, for um, that invitation and for your movement building. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. This is Nancy Mancias with Code Pink, presented on WBAI Radio 99.5 FM in New York City and WPFW 89.3 in Washington, D.C.
1: That was Code Pink campaigner Nancy Mancias interviewing Roberto Giordano, finance campaigner with the Sunrise Project. Finally, I'd like to welcome Mary Cerulli and Debbie New, who are co-founders of Climate Finance Action, who will be in discussion together about their work at the intersection of climate activism and finance campaigning. Hi, I'm Debbie
0: New. And my name's Mary Cerulli, and we're both part of Climate Finance Action, a small nonprofit built to inform and support a diverse network of grassroots organizations and volunteers. And we are honored to work with Code Pink.
6: Yeah, it's great to be here for this program. Uh, a little bit more about who we are and what we do. We hold finance leaders accountable for their ability to change the behavior at corporations that in turn have the power to create a sustainable world and a more just society for everyone.
0: The finance industry has an incomparable role and must act on its outsized power to successfully move the world to a 1.5 degree solution to the climate crisis. To
6: do this work, We work with BlackRock's big problem campaign and stop the money pipeline campaigns. And a lot of what we do is focused on BlackRock BlackRock because it's the biggest and it's the largest driver of climate crisis in the investor industry. So the pressure on BlackRock is growing through all the work that we're doing from our campaign and also just recently from Democratic senators. They wrote a letter to BlackRock this past week Democratic senators Brian Schatz of Hawaii, Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, and Martin Heinrich Heinrich of New Mexico. So maybe one of those senators is your senator. They wrote a letter to BlackRock.
0: And they said, you lag all of your peers in exercising your fiduciary responsibility to make companies account for their contributions and exposure to the climate risks. They also said, considering your goal of incorporating climate risks into BlackRock's investment stewardship, this proxy voting record is troubling and inconsistent.
6: Yeah, and they went on to say that it is essential that we expose the role of fossil fuel corporations in funding climate obstruction so that the voting public and policymakers will understand the self-interested and unreliable nature of anti-climate disinformation." And then they accused BlackRock. They said, instead, you voted, you BlackRock, voted with management. So BlackRock voted with the companies that are driving climate crisis like Exxon and Chevron. They voted with them to block resolutions that would have shed light on the political activities of America's most significant corporate polluters. Those are strong words from some of our most important elected leaders and they are focused on BlackRock.
0: So Debbie, um, in January we were all excited because BlackRock stood up and said it would fundamentally reshape finance to deal with climate change. And this was part of Larry Fink, BlackRock CEO's letter, his annual letter to shareholders. And I don't know about you, but I was pretty excited about that. This huge $7 trillion asset manager was going to step up and make a difference. But let's see, it's October. And so there's been 10 months where things could have changed. And I'd like to look at that with you and with our audience. We'll first start with coal. BlackRock's coal policy only tackles the mining side of the thermal coal industry. One very weak exclusion policy is a far cry from putting sustainability at the center of a business model. And BlackRock said it would do that. And in fact, the BlackRock's policy affects less than 20% of the nearly 800 companies on Ergowald's global coal exit list. These are the dirtiest coal companies, and BlackRock didn't do much. So, coal is still a big problem. But, you know, there, there must be something else. And I hmm. recently saw that BlackRock was involved with putting together an investor guide for deforestation for the prestigious Climate 100 Plus Investor Network at Ceres. That that must be better than coal.
6: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And you're right that BlackRock was on that panel about deforestation and talked a good game about the importance of addressing deforestation and stopping human rights abuses. But BlackRock has no deforestation policy of its own. It doesn't have one for agribusiness either. And those are two of the primary drivers of climate change. And we know more about this because there's a new report from Friends of the Earth that came out in September. That report shows that at every chance it had, BlackRock blocked significant changes to protect forests and indigenous communities at the companies that are driving global deforestation. Plus, BlackRock is not just blocking this stuff itself. BlackRock votes in line with State Street and Vanguard. Those three, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard are often called the big three. All of these three asset managers manage over $700 billion in companies related to deforestation. So when they vote together, they can collectively prevent even the most basic measures proposed on deforestation, like just reporting on the supply chains. This coming week, BlackRock has a chance to do better. Procter & Gamble has its annual shareholder meeting, and BlackRock owns a lot of the companies, the brands, the products, like Charmin toilet paper, that are driving deforestation. So there's a resolution that BlackRock can vote on, on deforestation, and show us that it's serious about what it says about climate change and how they're gonna change to address the climate crisis. So we'll see what happens, but what we know is that BlackRock is engaging with hundreds of companies on lots of climate issues. So as you mentioned, BlackRock is part of this Climate Action 100 plus network. So there must be some of that work that BlackRock is doing that is starting to address
0: climate change. Yes, yes, but unfortunately, a report from Majority Action which actually informed those Democratic senators, was released in September as well. And it demonstrates that despite naming climate change as a material and increasing risk to its clients' portfolios, BlackRock has yet to hold the boards of major greenhouse gas emitters in the US accountable for their lack of progress on climate. BlackRock also largely failed to support key climate resolutions this year and had the worst climate voting record of any major asset manager. So besides the deforestation issues that include, like you said, um, agribusiness, but that soy, palm oil, and um, the meatpacking businesses, BlackRock also didn't do very well at those utility or energy companies. Climate Action 100 identified 36 key climate issues at big corporations like Chevron, Exxon, dirty utilities like Dominion and Duke, and J.P. Morgan Chase, the largest bank financing fossil fuel companies. And BlackRock voted for just three of those 36 key climate issues. This terrible voting record comes just a few months after that that Larry Fink letter. And I just don't understand how they can keep saying that they are going to put climate change at the center of their investment strategy, yet they don't seem to be able to do it. BlackRock must be doing something good. There must be something better somewhere in the world. And I know that they're doing some advising to the EU on banking and their ESG policies. Do you know anything about that, Debbie?
6: Well, yes. BlackRock is not just doing stuff here in the US, but they're also working in the European Union. They're advising banks there on their environmental, social, and governance policies. So BlackRock that is not doing anything to address climate change elsewhere is telling the European Union what to do. And all I can say is marred, because BlackRock is big in Europe, but it's not good. There's a new report from Influence Map that just came out that compares what BlackRock is saying with its lobbying and policy work in the European Union. So again, we've seen BlackRock talk big and we haven't seen any action, certainly not any urgency on climate. BlackRock is privately pushing back against and delaying climate finance rules in the European Union. So I'll give you three examples. BlackRock has said they're broadly in support of this kind of thing, but they are advocating for less rigorous approaches based on how investors choose to do things over science-based targets. So they're leaving it up to investor choice. They are also pushing for weaker green labels on finance products. So that will allow continued greenwashing of investments. So they get to claim that something is good for climate change when it actually is not. Also, they're pushing for a definition of stewardship that has less emphasis on long-term benefits for society and the economy. When we know that they're responsible for long-term benefits to their shareholders. So it really makes no sense. Really shows that BlackRock's lobbying actions behind the scenes don't match its public rhetoric. So there's still a lot that BlackRock, uh, there's a ton that BlackRock has to do, but there are things that we can do because we have pushed BlackRock to get to this point and we have to keep pushing and holding them accountable. So one thing that you can do, one thing anybody can do, is go to blackrocksbigproblem.com, whoops, .org, blackrocksbigproblem.org and sign up. So that will get you newsletters and action alerts and ways that you can plug in.
0: The reasons why we've been successful is because there's been sustained pressure from grassroots organizations, and now even our politicians, but also it's a diverse network so there's lots of voices and more voices are are even better we have health professionals we have moms we have the science people we have um attorneys and it's just terrific to all work together
6: on october 20th there's going to be a webinar for grassroots people who want to take the fight to the next level and build up local actions local movements to ramp up the pressure on BlackRock from multiple fronts. Like Mary was saying, there are so many different ways that people can plug in. So we're gonna be sending more info soon, but you can start reserving your seat by signing up at blackrocksbigproblem.com webinars or just sign up at blackrocksbigproblem.com for updates. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so good to connect with Code Pink and all your listeners. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank Mary
1: Cerulli and Debbie New co-founders of Climate Finance Action, who joined us for a great discussion about taking on climate change as grassroots activists. This is Carly, and you're listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI Radio 99.5 FM in New York City, and WPFW 89.3 Washington, D.C. We talked about a lot of different ways people can get engaged with Code Pink this week, but I wanted to highlight some important ways you can continue to take action. My conversation with Yousef reminded us of important strategies and tactics we can use to organize our local communities against the war machine. We have the necessary tools and resources at Code Pink to help you start a campaign in your own community, including a divestment pledge you can take to your own mayor, a sample city council resolution, and organizers who can help you garner community support. You can go to codepink.org slash divest to learn more, or email divest at codepink.org. Our conversations drawing attention to why we need BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, to divest from weapons manufacturers and fossil fuels, remind us that climate change movement and the anti-war movement must work hand in hand to take on bad actors which profit from war and ecological devastation worldwide. You can find out more about our campaign to take on BlackRock at codepink.org slash blackrock. And that about wraps up our program for today. Until next time, peace.
0: They're foes, they're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before. Been raking in billions and itching for more. It's, it's blood, blood for